0: So, settle back and enjoy another afternoon of snooker.
1: What a shot. This is so special. Brilliant. Fantastic. And that'll put a little spring in a step. He's done it. This is Snooker Club. This is Snooker Club, the World Snooker Tour official podcast. Hello, you're listening to Snooker Club with me, Stephen Hendry and Mark Watson. Welcome once again. I am Mark Watson checking in after
0: a Marathon Players Championship final between uh, Mark Allen and Zhang Ander. Now, if you've listened to this pod a while, you might feel like it's quite a nice, easy gig for me. You've got no idea how much it takes out of us as podcasters when a match goes on as long as that. It's not like I'm just doing snooker. I've also got other sports to think about. The Super Bowl went on until 3am the other week. There was rugby this weekend. I'm still managing a fantasy team. That's a lot of responsibility. I went to watch Chesham United in the ninth tier of English football on Saturday. I'm being worked to the bone here by sport. Here I am, once more, saying hello, Stephen Hendry.
1: Tremendous dedication. Anyway, coming up on today's show, the Victor Scottish and Welsh Open champion Gary Wilson will be joining us to discuss another strong season. Plenty of you have got in touch with your questions for Gary and the Tyneside Terror will be tackling our quiz. Yes, bit of a Georgie theme to the quiz today. We'll also
0: hear from the uh, eventual winner of the Johnson's Paint Players Championship, Mark Allen. And the inbox is brimming over, as always, loads of emails to get through in our correspondence section. Let's
1: get cracking with episode 12 of Snooker Club. Uh, so, Stephen, uh, well, oh, I was telford. Can I just interrupt you and say you've had a bad back? So that kinda yes. that be good, s- sitting on a couch or a chair all night watching snooker.
0: No, it was was (laughs) the last thing I should have been doing. The doctor specifically said, don't get drawn into a really long snooker match and (laughs) sit without moving for several hours. Yeah, I think this is the problem. I mean, it's quite an unhealthy sport for your back, isn't it? If you're playing, you're hunched over the table the whole time. And if you're watching, yeah, you forget to get up and walk. Some of those frames went so long, I think I've probably done done permanent damage to my spine.
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's strange when I played snooker full time, I never had a problem. But finally, oh, I mean, obviously now I'm I'm getting on a bit at 55. You know, you're going to have problems with your back every, every now and then. You're going to be stiff in the morning and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah. When, when I think snooker players, I've never heard of them actually having problems while they're playing. It's probably years after, I'd imagine, years of hunched over the table. But but you 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 obviously just standing up all the time. So imagine like like the referees. Is that yeah. worse or not? I don't know. What I do know is that I've, I've recently, even in the past few months, I've got
0: into squash, um, which I really enjoy. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that is terrible for your back because you're like mm. lurching around the whole time and bending and stuff. So, I mean, we've had listeners solve problems before. Like recently there was the wasps thing. I am going to say I'm open to any suggestions to solve back pain. I mean, this is still a snooker podcast, but we, more and more now we're just <laughs> we're
1: using it to deal with other issues in our lives old <laughs> man's problems. Yeah. <laughs> How many reckon, times you go up in the middle of night to pee, Mark? Uh, at least once, Stephen. At least once.
0: If I wake up and I've not I've not had a wee in the night, if I've gone straight <laughs> through, I'm absolutely delighted. But it doesn't happen too often, I can tell you. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, collectively we're ninety. Our ages are ninety nine if you add together. We're about to make it a century. So, uh, I guess you'd expect a bit. Of this. some of our listeners,
1: I'm sure, are similar sort of age so please let us know what to do about <laughs> <the affected laughs> so it I'll, I'll get i'll get i'll get on to telford then yeah there was some fantastic snooker this week in telford unfortunately yeah. most of it was in the first half of the week um i mean jang Ander was fabulous uh in, in in his matches um mark allen played incredibly well in his, his first match against mark williams and then struggled really for the for the rest of the week to find that that, that rhythm, that same tempo and, and same sort of scoring power that he had in the first round. Um, but you've got to give him credit because he's the one lifting the trophy. He's managed to yep. win a trophy without, you know, we we're playing two different kinds of snooker, really. But yeah. I, I have to admit that the final was a very tough watch. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, um, yeah both players were, were hovering around the 30 seconds a shot mark, which doesn't help for the most sort of free flowing final. No, it but... sort
0: of adds up, doesn't it, if it's 30 seconds every time. Yeah. Was there a sense of just fatigue setting in for the for the players, do you think? Was it that they both played their best snooker of the week and they just didn't have didn't have it
1: in them again? I, I don't know whether that that affected Mark Allen because he's been there and done it so often, he's experienced yeah. and and at the end of the day it's only a 16 man tournament, so it shouldn't really. But you can you understand Jang Anda is um he was, he was there till midnight beating Mark Selby 6 5 on Saturday night and then had the final, which went again close to midnight last night. So you have to think for someone that hasn't been there and done it before yeah. that that might have caught up with him a little bit because he did start to weaken a little bit in the final session. There was a lot of thinking about shots that looked pretty obvious. Um, I mean, Alan's world number three. I mean, yeah. I made the point in commentary last night. They looked, you know, he looked under real pressure. You know, in, in any sport. If you're the third best player in the world at any sport, that's what you do. You play your best yeah. snooker under pressure, and he and he and he didn't really do that. I mean, I think the last ten or eleven, maybe even twelve frames, that, that there was a two, three, sixty breaks. There was no flair about it. There was no real people playing their best at that. When at the end, when the pressure was on, it was just a, a grind. You couldn't go to Mark and, and criticize him because he will just come back and say, "Well, I'm holding the trophy," and and well, and you can't argue with that. No, he's got the 125 grand at the end of the day. But yep. it was, as you
0: say, it was hard one. The BBC report this morning used the word grueling, and that's never a that's never a good sign, I think.
1: Um, yeah, any, any words start with GR, grueling, exactly. grim,
0: grizzly. <laughs> yeah, it might as well have been in Grimsby, the tournament. I mean, I guess, is it significant that both of them are players that have been on... Our podcast. Zhang was in the live one, and we had Mark Allen on. It's obviously mm-hmm. it is improving people's form when they when they come on here, so that's <laughs> something to look for, you know. But having well, said that, we'll yeah, we'll see what
1: happens to Gary Wilson. He's coming on later, so we'll see what's <laughs> going
0: to. Yeah, Wilson's well. Wilson's already in decent form, of course. He's won the um, the Welsh Open since we last spoke, mm. and that was a comfortable win against
1: against Martin O'Donnell in the final, nine four. thing, one thing I will notice is the crowds were fantastic in London. Yeah. Didn't Every time I did turn it on it was like the the, the, the it was full um yes. which is which is great and, and the crowds were great in Telford last week as well so people are are coming along to watch snooker um the players have just got to make it a bit more exciting i think <laughs> whether or not the uh, the final always lives up to it the crowds in Telford were
0: up 53% this year on last year's mm. uh, players championship which is an enormous hike and tickets are already on sale for 2025 so well g- get on, get on it Hi, I'm Rob Milkins, and when I'm enjoying a nice pint of cider, I listen to World Snooker Tour's official podcast, Snooker Club. So Mark Allen picked up his 11th ranking tournament victory um, and his 5th even since the Northern Ireland Open in
3: 2021.
0: Uh, here he is chatting to Rob Walker for WST.
3: Picking up one tournament every sort of two or three seasons wasn't where I wanted to be. Uh, no, I made some changes off the table. And they've sort of stood me in going forward, uh, both on and off. And that's where I've always wanted to be in the game. No, I want to be a consistent winner. It's alright being consistent and getting to the later stages and you know, keeping your ranking but that's not for me. No, I, I want to. I don't want to be a journeyman that just nicks the odd one so to be here you no know, six tournaments no in the space of about 20 months, you know, that's the sort of return that I'm after and that's what I want to try and work harder for going forward to continue.
1: That was a display of real tenacity and when you needed it your safety game was brilliant today.
3: Yeah, my safety probably kept me in the match because uh, I didn't score at all uh, the way I have been this week. So you, ne- you just need to find a way. No, There's no point. And if you're not scoring, you have to find another way of winning. And, no, my safety was good. Don't get me wrong. I still had to rely on him missing a few shots. But I gave myself a chance of staying in the match as long as possible. And that's all I can really ever do whenever I'm not at my best.
0: As you said, Alan is, is starting to put himself in that group of players that, yeah, that win tournaments regularly. This has been a hell of a season for him. And mm. um, well, we talked to him a little bit when he was on the podcast, but there's obviously been some sort of mental shift for him into seeing himself as someone that is going to tournaments to win, to take home the trophy.
1: Yeah, w- without a doubt. I mean, you, you say this year, the last two years, he's won He's, won, he's, won, he's five, five, six events in the last two years. He's become a, a serial winner in snooker. Um, as I say, very very difficult to be a safety play over the week. I have to say was was astonishing. It really was, um, and that was the sort of. I think that was when when he wasn't scoring like he was in the first round. I think that was the bedrock of his game. Um, he had that to fall back on, um, and it really was incredible. And and now, yeah, you've, you've got to think of him as as one of the possible for winning the world championship uh, in April. Because he's got that all-round game, he doesn't rely on just scoring. He can win any way he wants, um, and he's so tough to beat. So yeah, he's, he's definitely going to be a threat at Sheffield. I was going to say, is it time for Alan to to win the world? Yeah, that, that, and that's that's the next step for him. And I think he said it in his interview last night after winning, that's that's to be winning the world championship. You know, he's winning he's winning on a regular basis. Um, the other tournaments, um, it's about racking up those triple crowns now. I think for Mark Allen, Tour Championship yeah. is a huge one as well that he's in. Um, he's going to be in the top four seeds for that, as is Jang Anda. Actually, I mean, it's it's a, it's a huge end of season for the, for these players. Obviously, you've talked before about how winning at the Crucible
0: is a different. It's a different discipline. Mm. You're there for so long. The matches are so long, so you've got to find something. You've got to find another gear, I suppose. That. That you maybe don't have to in these
1: sixteen-man tournaments. Yeah, yeah. But what what I would say though is 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 if playing that type of snooker, you know, thirty seconds a shot for seventeen days, I would imagine would take out of you. It's As yeah. you know, it's not you know he he, 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 he would rather obviously win matches. and keep going back to the matches against Williams, but he was incredible um, in in terms of scoring. In the Crucible, you want to—you you don't want to be expending lots of energy. You know, long yeah. forty-minute frames all the time, um, being up till midnight all the time playing. Um, you want to be finishing matches off quicker. So, I would yeah. say hes he has got to find a, a sort of a mix. It's okay being able to go back to this game if you need it, but he's got to find yeah. a mix I think that works better for the for Sheffield. Yeah, it's interesting that it? there's a there is the
0: players have always asked for more events, you know, more chances to win money and everything, and, and now it's a bit of a case of be careful what you wish for, because the schedule is quite, there's obviously this mm. invitational in Saudi, the world open in Yushan, tour championships in Manchester, and then of course the worlds. If, yeah. if you're in all of this, it's, it is quite a schedule, isn't it? It's, it's
1: got it to be is, of it pacing is, yourself. It, it is. A, I mean, it's a nice problem to have. Yeah. Because um, obviously these, these player series, it's only the, the best players of the season that are in them. So yeah. for the other, the other, the other players, there is a gap, obviously championship league is going on as well. Um, but yeah yeah i mean this is this for the top players the players who are looking to win the biggest events the, this, this next month or two is, is is huge it really is and you've really got to like t- time off in between matches is very important now switching off um yeah. re- really really you know being relaxed and, and and conserving your energy um there's also a tournament in uh, march which is the world mixed doubles
0: mm. so you've got neil robertson uh, and uh, mink uh, Nutcherut, who are the defending champions Trump and uh, bipat Sirapaporn who's the world's women's champion uh Luca Brussel is with Rianne Evans who's won the world championship 12 times the women's and then Mark Allen and Rebecca Kenner so four four mixed doubles um and that's in Manchester intriguing idea this did you ever play doubles, snooker
1: yeah we, we used to have um actually what we used to have something called the hoffmeister world doubles uh it was oh, on yeah, IT, well. uh, back in the sort of early 90s my, my partner was mike hallett ah uh, yeah we, were, we won it twice actually because mike mike would go for anything i mean i, I mean i was attacking but mike would, would go for these crazy shots and I, I would kind of say it before he said look you sort of just play safe let me in and i'll take care of the rest i'll, I'll do the <laughs> scoring and stuff so i sort of had him on a tight leash as it was as <laughs> he wasn't allowed um, to put anything but we we were a great partnership. We really were, were. and uh, yeah, we won it twice. Um, I'm, it's not it's not my most favourite thing because I, I like to I like to get on with it. When I've when I've played a good frame, I like to get on to the next frame and score again and on the next frame, and 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 having to wait three for three players to play before your next shot. Um, yeah. it's it's a different mentality. Well, it is. I
0: remember this from our famous doubles game at Ali Pali with uh, Stephen Fry and Jang, You you are yeah, that, kind of, that um, took me
1: right back to my Hofmeister doubles wins. Yeah. That it, it was yeah. <laughs> I felt like Mike Hallett actually. <laughs> who who are you interested in seeing in the in the mixed doubles? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Well, I'm, This is a strange thing. I'm looking forward to seeing Neil Robertson play actually because I haven't seen him play for quite a long time. No. So he, he he's he's going to be in it. Um, I believe on a separate note, I think he he needs to win the World Open to be in the in the Tour Championship. I think. But that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, right. That's a separate as a separate note. Yeah, Judd and Bipat, I would I would probably put as as as, as um. Maybe favourites along with Luca Purcell yeah. and Rianne Evans. Yeah, I, I, I uh, still want to watch Rianne Evans. I still think when you look at her cue action, the way she plays, it's, it's 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 very natural. She's a natural snooker player, and I still yeah. think she's um, a little bit above the the, the other three um, women that are playing. Um, yeah, yeah, she dominated but, um, the women's game for a, a long time. Her and Luca is a very interesting
0: prospect, I think. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, this uh, Saudi Invitational in Riyadh is well. We now know the lineup. Uh, so it's so Sullivan, Trump, Alan Bressel, Selby, Murphy, Mark Williams, uh, and Ali Carter. And um, someone's
1: going to cr- trouser two hundred and fifty grand for winning it as well. Yes, incredible. which incredible! Like before the worlds is is not a bad pay packet, is it? You'd be going Absolutely. into
0: the crucible with a quarter of a million quid already. already well,
1: I think pocket. I think there's been two or three sweating on the sidelines this week, Mark Williams, um, about because you're obviously guaranteed fifty grand for turning up. So there's a couple yeah. of being sweating on results this week. I think uh, Ali Carter. Um, was was when he lost to Mark uh, Mark Allen was sort of hoping Mark Allen was going to win it to, to ensure he was going to he was going to pocket that fifty thousand per turn up. Yeah, it's it's a, it's one thing playing
0: for money it's another
1: thing watching someone
0: else play for fifty yeah. grand for year, yeah, yeah. basically
1: yeah. yeah, I'm Stephen Hendry I'm Matt Watson and this is Snooker Club the official World Snooker Tour podcast.
0: <laughs> now speaking of money last week WST announced a f- historic five year deal. Uh, with sports giant Castora to become the official technical partner of the tour. Two events will feature Castora Technical Wear this season, the Riyadh season World Masters of Snooker, and the World Mixed Doubles, which we've been talking about, at Manchester Central um, in March. Tom Rowell, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer for WST, joins us now to talk about this. Tom, can you tell us a little bit more about this uh, deal with uh, Castora?
2: Yeah, hi guys. So yeah, really excited to to sort of get this out in the open. It's been months and months in the in the planning and obviously you can imagine with a, a branding company the size of Castor, you know, lots of details to be ironed out, but we're finally yeah, at the stage where we can announce it and talk about it a bit more. So there's two parts to it really. The first part is obviously the retail aspect. So they'll be providing our retail um, going forward, probably from summer onwards in both terms of online retail, but also at events. And we've had a lot of feedback from fans that our retail isn't quite up to the standard that it should be for a major sport, and I think anyone that's sort of come to events and seen the stuff we have, you know, we, we do it we do okay, we try our best, but it's not you know it's not the club we want to we want to be. It's because we want fans yeah. to be able to come and buy and buy stuff at events that they take home and wear. But also, even when you're playing at an amateur level, we're one of the few sports where we don't have sort of replica kit. Essentially, there's nothing you can wear yeah. is like a snooker player. You can buy a shirt, you're not going to wear a shirt and waistcoat. But in terms of sort of te- technical wear, you know, if you play football. Yeah. Um, the first thing you do is you, you, know, if you play football. You go and buy the replica gear, so you go and buy the yeah. stuff that you wear down your favorite side. You wear the boots, the, the training kit, and that sort of stuff. And that's the same with other sports. So what we're trying to replicate is that that idea that you can go and buy stuff that is you wear down the snooker club or yeah. you know play with your mates at the pool hall and that sort of stuff. So something that's cool to wear that you would wear generally, but also represents snooker. So it's you know it, it kind of fits in with that as well. So that's the first part. And the second part is the sort of major element, which is around players having kit developed specifically for snooker. So what they're going to be doing is, you know, meeting this week with representatives from the players' boards and Sean Murphy and that sort of stuff to start talking about what would they like the kit to look like, how do they want it to feel, what's it going to be made of and that sort of stuff, real details around what's the best for performance in snooker uh, going forward. So in terms of, you know, the length, the fit, the fabric and that sort of stuff, how do we make something that is bespoke for snooker but that also looks smart um yeah but it's comfortable as well so yeah
0: i mean obviously you, a lot of this is to do with just modernizing and keeping up with other sports and keeping up with the times um but compared with those other sports obviously snooker is big on tradition
2: and history and snooker fans take that sort of side of it very seriously yeah and that's a fair question that's why i probably want to come on and just kind of talk about it so people an understanding of what the the deal will be so from a very sort of starting basis for next season, it's probably likely that it'll be just for qualifiers and then the shootout mm-hmm. mixed doubles and stuff like that. So it'll be more of an event where there's already a relaxed dress code. So in any events at the moment where it's made just shirt and trousers, we'll probably look to, you know, potentially home nations as well. We'll look to perhaps start with those events. Um, but we'll just be very clear with this, this, will never touch the triple crowns and the sort of, you know, the perceived majors and probably even the player series, that'll always be, the formal attire because we know that's what fans like. I like it as well. We know in China they love that stuff and it's that's what they want to wear around. You know, they see snooker is that smart sport around the world. So we don't want to touch that. This is more around, like I say, the events where it's it's high usage of qualifiers. We're playing a lot of matches and, and early rounds and that sort of stuff. And and see how we get on oh, there might be potential where we develop a you know, a compromiser where maybe, you know, there's a slightly more sporting apparel that fits in with the formal wear as well. But I think that will always be protected yeah. probably because it's a bit more the tradition, that sort of stuff. The idea is just to kind of create this sort of snooky uniform that the players feel happy wearing. Yeah. It, it elevates the perception of the sport because at the moment you have, you know, everyone looks slightly different, but, but yeah, there's a real there's a real as, as Stephen will protest to the difference in fit and style and quality of the the, the qualifiers, the people people wearing it, it's a bit it's a bit of a mishmash and I think this one's perhaps is great. yeah,
0: yeah. Stephen's been quite open about his criticism of some people's dress code, in fact.
2: <laughs> yeah, he has well, yeah. Mainly, mainly um, shoes, I think, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well shoes is his big is his big bug bear, yeah, but we'll see what you can do with Castor shoes wise over time, <laughs> <Yeah>. Tom. <laughs>
2: um, what
0: have, what have the players been, or have you had response from the players
2: themselves already? Yeah, fantastic. So I think we used some, some quotes in the release from Judd and Mark and Sean and and only Robertson's talked about it in the past as well. I think players have been asking this for a very long time. I think of all the changes that you could make, this is the one that's probably been asked for the most. Um, yeah, but I think it's very important to say this is it's just small steps. Like I say it's a five year relationship with Castor. You know, we're not going to ride in and say right everyone is wearing you know polo shirts from day one. There definitely won't be short sleeve. It's not going to be you know the shootout for every event. That's not that's not what we're talking about here. So, but we want players to feel like. They have something that is going to help them play was I think was it Mark or Judd said the other day that we're one of the few sports where the, the uniform actually makes it difficult to play the sport yeah yeah,
1: Yeah, I was going to ask will the players in terms of like um, colours will it predominantly be dark
2: colours will players get to choose what colour they, they can wear or I think we're trying to stick to replicating what we have now essentially so it will be probably black, um, black stuff but I think that's open for, for conversation down the line I think in the first stage, you want to try and keep as closely as we are to what we have now to try and minimize that that change and disruption and then perhaps look at it over time if people have a preference on, on what they wear. But I think, you know, it will be long sleeved, it will have a collar, it will be black, you know, it's not gonna be a huge shift, but it's more around the fabrics the movement the quality
1: I was going to say I've I've seen what some players wear away from the table
2: so yeah I don't think you should give them too much uh, (laughs) free reign yeah yeah Yeah, it's very much a fit conversation as opposed to fashion it's probably not taking a huge amount of advice from uh, some of the players but yeah well good luck with it good luck all good great well thank you very much Tom and we look forward to seeing some of this gear uh, at venues before too long
0: hello I'm Jed Trump and whenever I'm flying around the world I listen to the World Snooker Tour podcast The Snooker Club as always now it's time for uh, a rummage through the Snooker Club inbox, which, and we said this every time, but it's true. There's more than we can get through uh, per episode. So do keep them coming in. Uh, thankfully, at least there's been a drop off in Wasp related correspondence, Stephen. Thank God. Your plea for that to finish seems to have uh, come good. As always, it's snookerclub at WST.TV. Here's one. Uh, it's from Tom. I'm Mark and Stephen. I remember seeing Stuart Bingham practicing with Sean O'Sullivan in a rundown snooker club in Woolwich in South London. Uh, there was a leak from one of the pipes which flooded the toilets. Um, it was the, the time that Stuart was the current world champion. I remember thinking, what on earth is he doing here? So it, it sort of raises the question, what is the worst
1: place you've ever played, Stephen? Oh. Mm, that's that's that's. It. I mean, we obviously, down, down the All the top players have done hundreds of exhibitions up and down the country, and 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 sort of. You, you, a lot of the clubs, you never know what to expect until you get there. And, and I've played in some uh, some places that are, let's say, less well furnished than others. Um, <laughs> but we we're not so much high maintenance about that. All all snooker players yeah. really bother about is how good the table is. Um, yeah, Partly Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, (laughs) that's all we're bothered about really. We we couldn't care if we get there and the place is horrible, but if the table's perfect, we're happy because it means the exhibition will go well and we play it. So the table means everything, but um, yeah, I've played in some, some, yeah, some less salubrious joints, shall we say. So there you go. If you're listening
0: and you're thinking of getting Stephen for an exhibition, just get the table, right? Give him a packet of crisps or something. Don't worry. The rest of the room could be a total dump (laughs) as long as it plays. All right. Packet crisps and iron brew. Um, this is for a, for a fun one, sort of. Uh, this is from Alex, um, Alex with a YX, by the way, uh, from Maidstone in Kent, where, which is actually the worst place I've ever uh, done a comedy show. <laughs> but it's not Maidstone's fault, it was just a particularly bad night. My question was for Stephen. I watched a lot of old snooker clips on YouTube, uh, as well as every Q tips. Recently watched a clip from 97 Worlds where Alan Robidoux got annoyed at Ronnie for playing left-handed, um, mm. got a cob on is the phrase that she's used, actually. Has Stephen, we've touched on this a bit before, and I think the answer is probably that you're too calm for this as a player, but has Stephen ever had a player like deliberately attempt to annoy him and throw him off, asks Alex. She also says thanks for the podcast, and we hope to get many more episodes.
1: I I don't I don't I don't think so. I think I mean my remember used to play Alex Higgins. He'd be twitching around all over the place in his chair. Yeah. But he, but you 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 uh, first you think is he doing that to put me off, and then you think well he just he just can't sit still. I tell yeah. you, what, if I if I had a practice session with Mark Williams, he would do the most. He'd be standing in my shop, and he wouldn't move in his body, but he'd be moving his fingertip, literally two two millimeters. But it would be enough for you to see it in the back of the shot. I used to do it all the time. And I used to say, will you stop doing that? He went, what am I doing? I said, you know exactly what you're doing. And he would just laugh and like... Would he do that in a tournament, do you think? Would he... Little movements. Of I don't the think. I don't it. think. Would, I don't think Mark would stoop that low. I'm no, sure he does he not need to. But, but in practice, he would also. I mean, we play golf, and literally, my top of my backswing, he'll say something like, "Don't hook yep. it," or "Don't slice it." <laughs> <But> yeah, away <laughs> from Se- away from serious match play, uh, Mark Williams is a nightmare to play against. I can sort of sport.
0: imagine Williams being very mischievous. Like if I remember, I don't think Ronnie was doing it to wind up Robert Woods. It's just we hadn't seen Ronnie that much at that point, and, and to him, just switching to left-handed was sort of almost
1: normal it was something that he'd obviously done a lot in practice he decided yeah. in the match i think there was a little bit of devilment in it because he knew that yeah. robert was, was getting up, upset anyway with the way the match was going so i think he he decided to sort of twist the knife a little bit by doing that as well um it was obviously he does it matter of fact now we will we all, we, we, all, we don't even notice it anymore when he does it but yeah there was i think there was a little bit of um yeah i'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm beating this guy easy and i'm I'm just gonna really twist yeah. the knife here you sort of could, we wouldn't put it past him,
0: I suppose, knowing what we yeah, do no. about money. This comes under, this is not really a question, this is just fan mail for Stephen. Sometimes we make fun of Stephen a little bit, so it's only fair to redress the balance here. Uh, Hi Stephen and Mark, I'm very late to the party. I've just started listening today. She said I was listening to the episode with the fab Mrs. Snooker brackets, Hayes Lurvin. I want to go back to a previous episode where Stephen was compared to George Michael. I'm sorry, but George was nowhere near as good looking. So uh, there you go, Stephen. Well, thank you very much. Uh, then she starts to get emotional. Stephen, you're my favourite sportsman of all time. Sportsman, not just top snooker player. I was, I was nine months pregnant with my first child when you announced your retirement and dissolved into a hormonal sobbing mess. It's a good job I was alone that day. So there you go. You, you, uh, you almost broke this woman with your retirement. I went to the Masters in 2019. Would love to go to the Crucible one day. We need something closer to Cornwall, though, as it's a pain to get anywhere from here I, there's not been a tournament even down in devon
1: Or is there All i'm trying to think of west country snooker tournaments I, i've played exhibitions down there but I've no, there's never been tournaments no i think torquay Tor- is that down that way torquay's in devon yeah that's that yeah. would be yeah
0: close enough yeah. uh for uh, jen, yeah. there's it? been a tournament um, there
1: yeah there you go jen so
0: we'll talk, yeah there, there's a place called hall for cornwall in truro but that is a there's a long way to go down <laughs> for the players you wouldn't want to lose in the first round and in, in cornwall <laughs> Still, for sure, we'll know that Jen will be there if they ever do get a tournament on. And I hope you get the chance to meet Stephen, but also I hope you you keep it together, Jen, because we've heard what what it can be like. (laughs) I should say I've always found him very nice myself. Um, Thanks for the correspondence. There's uh, quite a lot more. There's some technical questions uh, for Stephen, some Q questions. We'll get on to all of that uh, next week or in a future week. So do keep them coming. And you remember the address is snookerclub at WST.tv. I'm Jamie Jones, and when I go on a run, I listen to Snooker Club World Snooker Tours official podcast. It's now time to welcome this week's special guest, uh, twice the winner of the Scottish Open, and now, uh, as we've mentioned, reigning Welsh Open champion, ward number 13, Tyneside Terror, Gary Wilson. Hello, mate. Thanks very much, Mark. Cheers. How are
4: you doing? Hey, Stephen. You all right, mate? Good. Are you not practicing? No, uh come down the club, just uh let me brother in law in doing a bit of plastering. So yeah. The, the lights are on but nobody's home, so to speak. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Literally, yeah. You can't see this uh if you're listening, but Gary is weirdly in a snooker club but um but not to play snooker. So to start with that victory and comfortable victory the Welsh Open, um three time ranking winner now, how's that sound?
4: Yeah, obviously it's amazing. Um to win you know, three within a relatively short space of time to be honest yeah. as well it's about 14 months 15 months so obviously getting the first one was you know great after so many years of knowing what I'm kind of capable of deep down but never really getting anywhere and then to win one and then as i say another couple quite soon after that's been it's been a good well a very good couple of years to be honest yeah,
0: yeah I was gonna ask does something mentally change for you is there sort of a shift once you've got one under your belt do you now go into tournaments thinking of yourself as maybe more like a genuine contender
4: Uh, Yeah, I think naturally you just get to them stages and instead of it being so like be all and end all, it's now like, well, I've been here, um, I I should win or, you know, in your own head, you think I should win or expect to win rather than, oh, this could be my first one, you know, like there's a bit more pressure on and all that. Now it's like, no, any like what Stephen used to do and just win everything. But like, it's Mm -hmm. more like, you know, you come into it feeling a bit more. Not even necessarily feeling great about your game sometimes, but just knowing that even if you do what you need to do, you should still hopefully Mm. get the job done, you know. And Mm. I I guess that's what Mark done again, and he's been the best at it recently, is just been not playing great, but still managing to win.
1: I was going to say that, that, that gives you that inner confidence that even you can go to every tournament, even if you go to there not thinking that you're like, mom, I'm absolutely flying in practice when you've got those wins you, you, you know you can win and that's important I mean as you say we've seen Mark Allen seen Mark Selby win ugly as it were win win with the B games do you feel that that's in the position you're in now as well kind of like obviously I would love to play well a lot hmm. um, yeah you plan still to play well to be fair <laughs> of course
4: and <laughs> like I suppose last you know at the Welsh the last one there I did play well in the first half of the semis against John you know that was about yeah. the best I've shown for quite a while yeah. Um, but I want to be playing a bit more like that more often, yeah. which is just me being hypercritical as a player, as we all do. You know, you want to perform yeah. as well. So yeah. I'm happy just to win, though. You know, at the minute, it's like, well, at least I'm mm. winning. So that's great. Yeah,
0: yeah you said after the Worlds last year that you were going to sort of, over the summer, try and assess what you could do to, to win more consistently, to become more of a, a sort of winner. And it, I mean, it looks like you have done that. Was there a specific... Was there stuff you worked on or thought about, or did you just... Are you conscious of having sort of made a a change of approach or have things just started to click for you? I think things
4: have just started to click a little bit. Um, I've made it quite clear to everybody in terms of my game, I feel my only problem is cue action wise. If I can iron these problems out the best I can on the practice table and I go into tournaments feeling relatively confident in what I'm doing and I'm actually sticking to what I'm doing as well which is a massive thing because I'm a massive tinkerer usually, and I'll chop and change from match to match, never mind tournament to tournament something. So I've actually had a few months' spell now where I've pretty much stuck to what I've been doing for a few months, and that's like an an age for me. So that's probably the the biggest key. Yeah.
0: You said you've been knocking around for a while, and obviously you've you've done stuff away from snooker, like driving a cab and working in a pub. And was there a moment where you thought, I'm going to put everything into snooker? We've not spoken to many players who've had so many other things they've done like, to, to support themselves, you know?
4: It wasn't by choice. <laughs> no. <laughs> it wasn't like I sort of gave up at any stage, really. I mean, there maybe was, it, it's hard to remember, the. you know, you have so many yeah. loads of times over the years, but it, there was probably a time for a brief period where I sort of chucked it for a few months or something, you know, and thought, oh, you know, yeah. I've got to concentrate on other things for now, because at the time, you couldn't just get straight back on the tour, you had to wait mm-hmm. a year, and, yeah. you, had, you know, it was a totally different time, 15-20 years ago so yeah, um, yeah I, I guess I never gave up but circumstance meant that I had to work really and yeah. I was still Fair always enough. trying it just took it just took a lot longer to get back on the tour than I ever thought it would I thought I'd be back on within a couple of years at most you know and it just took so much longer but what is it? what is it about Scotland that you like no <laughs> idea. I'm I'm half Scottish. I'm up from your neck of the woods originally. Me okay. mum, d- well, me mum's side of the family are from Dalgetty Bay. Um, I thought yeah.
1: you told me that before. I think you told yeah, me. That yeah, before. yeah, because that's where I used to live, Mark, in the uh, yeah. Fife in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. The same do, yeah. tournament. So your first two tournaments, both the Scottish Open, is incredible, right? I
4: know it's amazing. It's, uh, Edinburgh, obviously, something about it. Glasgow, I was no good at. So Edinburgh,
1: I used to are. stay in Edinburgh. <laughs> you ever have a haggis supper.
4: I've had one before. I'm not a fan, to be honest. No, is that your favourite, Stephen? Is it? Oh, that's
1: that's, what I, that's the one thing I miss about living in England—not getting haggis suppers.
0: Right.
4: You okay. have to get
1: a special supplier for things like Burns Night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so t- but but yeah.
0: now we've we've discovered you can also play in Wales now. So we're starting to just zone in on the areas where where you're on well, for. Let-
4: well, again, again, that's it, isn't it? Like, in a silly kind of way, you say to yourself, I can't just win the Scottish. Like, what does that mean? Can I only win in Edinburgh or something like that? Yeah. No, obviously <laughs> yeah. now I've won another one at yeah. least, but it's still a home nation. So now the next step is, well, can I only win a home nations
1: event? Or can I can go yeah. on and win other things now. So yeah, just keep going, see what happens. Yeah, yeah actually, when you won the Welsh, you, you said on, on, on TV that, that you're, you're and te- we'll go back to sort of technical, that you you felt you're suffering from the yips. I mean, yeah, as, yeah. as someone myself who who still suffers and and, and basically ended my career, Um, How how serious is it? How does it form with you? How how does it go into your cue action? Very similar to maybe like yourself. I think I texted you maybe
4: a couple of years ago trying to maybe get a bit of advice and a bit of help because it was pretty bad a couple of years ago where very similar to yourself and a bit like ding and that kind of thing where you're actually coming through the ball quick instead of being able to pause. That's what that's what I, yeah, I yeah, do yeah. a lot of. So if if there's any kind of power shots that I'm maybe not feeling 100% confident on because of my technique or you know deep screw shots and things like that, you'll you'll yeah. be able to probably you know well, sympathize if, with this quite a bit. If,
1: if, <laughs> if you find out the solution, tell me because
4: I still haven't found it. For... <laughs> I've managed to stick to something that I'm thinking is working for us generally, mm-hmm. but they they still come in every now and again, but nowhere near right. as much as they were. So it's so this it's is helping. fascinating.
0: Like mm-hmm. I think oh, any non-player is always fascinated to hear about the the yips is it is must be hard to describe but it's just a sort of physical resistance well, to actually taking a shot right just there's like yeah.
4: there's like different versions of it isn't there so yeah. some players actually the the other way of doing it other players can't actually deliver the cue they just end up yeah. waiting there at the back and they can't they can't put it through whereas yeah me and maybe steven get some of this and ding and uh, there's a couple of other players I can think of on the tour that I won't name mm-hmm. as well, but they're the they're the ones that you look at and you go, wow, is it that
1: quick? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like I got to a stage where I was I was playing the wrong shots because I wanted to avoid playing certain shots that I knew I couldn't play. Is that yeah. does that does that crept into your? I mean, I don't want to get all negative. You, you had a fantastic season, and we're, <laughs> we're, we're yeah. coming down on this negative stuff. But it, but it's, it's fascinating to see that someone else is suffering from it as well.
0: Totally, yeah. it's really interesting. Like, there's there's darts players that can't like can't even let go of the dart and, and golf like any individual sport you'll hear people talk about these moments where mentally you just can't get your body yeah. to do it even wow. though you, do you don't know what I, I, I don't
4: mind i don't mind talking about it because i've mm. done it for so long now and i've I've almost got another point in my head where i'm like you know i don't care anymore like yeah in a way do you know i don't mind talking about it I, i'm happy for people to hear about you know it's yeah. having problems like that and yeah it, it it is it's horrible it's like you don't know what to do you play the wrong shot as you say Stephen and you're yeah. yeah, like you know you're playing the wrong shot and sometimes you may get pundits or commentators go, he's went about that a weird way. It's not that I don't know the right way to go about it. It's that, as Stephen said, you're sometimes avoiding a shot because you just yeah. think, I can't play that shot. If I yeah. if I play that shot, I've got to chuck myself at it because I can't control myself properly and I
1: should yeah. be able to. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I mean, you wouldn't believe that the, the, the shots that like are so simple that I, I would avoid. I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, li- literally a shot that someone in a club could play. One i an example. Him- and um, so a shot that used to, that used to frighten the life out of me would be a a black into bag one, which is left to right pot, like, just off straight. If I had to hold that cue ball for a red, or just like I, I mean, I just couldn't, I'm, 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 I, I, I couldn't get the cue through. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to have a nice thought. and it would be like, and I just yeah, just a jab, it would, yeah, yeah. So I'd end up happening it? like uh, the cue ball would end up in bulk sometimes. I mean, it was just <laughs> like it was horrific.
0: Well, it's just interesting because obviously you've played that shot thousands of times. Yeah. You've won
1: everything the you've blamiest, won. So yeah.
0: just interested in where it comes from. But nobody knows, do they? It's just it's just it's, maybe it uh,
1: is. It started the, off for me. One shot happened about it was about two thousand I mean, twenty years before or ten years before I retired. It's just one shot happened. I thought, Oh, that didn't feel right. That was horrible. I didn't even get through or anything. And then that sort of sticks with you. And then like you forget about it. And then maybe two months later, the same shot and happens again, you think. Oh, and then another shot. Is that what happens to you? Yeah. Like, Gary, what, yeah, yeah. one shot, then another shot, then another shot. I think
4: the way i kind of see it, and it, this is probably the other perspective, where you, you try not to be too negative on yourself and you mm. try and think of it logically. And the way I've tried to work it out is possibly, and I don't know if this is relating to you when it started happening with you, is that obviously a lack of confidence comes into it a little bit because mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you might just not be feeling great on that day. Oh, yeah. and as you say, when you've had that shot where you oh, that didn't feel right, you maybe weren't quite as confident on the shot for whatever reason conditions silly things like table conditions yeah maybe the table's drifting off and you're not sure of the shot so you're you're losing faith in that you're losing faith in the grip of the cloth oh the pockets look tight today anything like that and you can as soon as you start losing faith in what you're doing yeah and then that that can start it off so it starts physical as you've said before i think and then it ends up being mental because it becomes a habit doesn't it so you yeah I, that's it's really very hard to break
0: yeah I, I've, I've read psychologists saying it is to do with you know a lot of the time if you get as good as you guys are at snooker it becomes basically almost automatic you're not really thinking about it for long periods and then it's when your brain starts to come you start mm. it's, you're thinking about it too much i think it's quite a lot of i've read quite a bit about it and it's the same with people like drummers or anyone that's doing something again and again and again like that you you sort of you, you don't do. have to think about how you're doing it and then there are these moments where like you say something makes you think about it and suddenly you're like it just feels all wrong. It's, it's almost right. anything you do like that in life. If you, if you are thinking too much about what you're actually doing, your brain can sort of go well, the, the, the,
1: the only way you can you're the only way you can play great snookers. You've got nothing going on. You're not thinking about anything. That's the exactly. only way you go. Yeah, you, it's, it's autopilot. The minute you use, you, you got a, a thought, like mine was my grip hand. The grip hand, this is a problem. I, I mean, if I could cut that off, I mean, I used to think I'll cut my hand off. I used to I used to experiment with just having three fingers on and two, like two, anything, just experiment. And it was like, and, oh, that works, that feels good. But then the next day, it felt terrible. Can
4: I ask you a random question, Stephen? Of of course. As you've just mentioned, your grip there. You've always been, and I don't know if you ever noticed you did this, someone must have told you this in the past mm-hmm. before. Did, did you realize you used to play with your thumb straight down, you know, on your grip uh, hand? You know that no, like people would grab the cue with a thumb sort of round like
1: that your yeah. thumb was like that did not you ever really. notice
4: that yeah no
1: you've never that, well, that. Be, that, that that must have been one of the the 20 technical things i tried he's going to be thinking about his thumb next time he plays that's for sure yeah, Look, you Mark, I've, when you're I've, on stage mark I've, do you have a problem like delivering the punch line do you, like, you like, <laughs> just, like maybe
0: the punchline you just like oh oh i can't get a... yeah you get halfway into it and then you think i'm not going to finish this sentence i'm just <laughs> I do sometimes, I think I've experienced a similar thing where just occasionally you get a sort of, again, it's not exactly, it's not quite anxiety. But again, that thing of like your brain is suddenly going, what are we doing here? You look around the room and think, again, it's like you're never really on autopilot when you're on stage. But there is an element of just, again, I know what I'm doing. I don't have to think about it too much. And again, if you do, if you do stop and think. It's just occasionally yes, you make eye problem. contact with an audience yeah. member and you think why have you come out to watch me again it's, it's that <laughs> thing it's like you can do it hundreds of times but then one time a weird thought gets into your brain and like you say the brain forms these patterns um this is an equally random question for you gary but is it true you're on big break
4: yes i uh, So there was a there was a junior version they did um and stan chambers who i've mentioned a few times who was like massive help to me growing up he put us forward for it when i was nine years old i wow. just made my first century break and he put us forward for uh for a big break yeah uh, so, I, I that was a, so it started in 95 when i was nine years old and i went on again in 97 and 98 i don't know when i was 11 oh. and 12 as well yeah so and then i think they stopped it after that but in fact there was names you would remember from then i mean people when i was nine the people who were on who were like 16 were like paul hunter michael Holt, kelly oh, fisher
1: okay. yeah like right. all, them,
4: all them were around that sort of right. time and yeah so you had some david gray people like that you know they were yeah. all on they were like 15, 16. I was nine and I got to the second round. Um, right. And I, I think I got about 140 quid or something. Okay. Couple, a couple of years later, I got 300 and odd. I kept getting beaten the second round all three times. Couldn't get to the final. So, yeah. But it was a great experience, obviously. That young, being on TV and stuff. Like, they're the kinds of things. You know when you're getting into your teens and you're winning junior tournaments and all sorts you've already had that experience of like even being on tv and doing exhibitions and all that kind of thing you know so i had all that when i was younger yeah
0: if you can play under that sort of pressure when you're nine then it's got to stand you in good stead yeah you've said you've had quite a lot of lows in your career where where does the drive come from to keep obviously snooker's been in your blood from very early on but um, uh, where do you find the motivation when when you're having to well not motivation exactly but how do you dig deep and, and sort of build yourself back up because you are a player that like wears your heart on your sleeve I think And that's, yeah and to that. yeah and just to touch on
4: that I think sometimes I've got a serious mind I think sometimes there's a bit of lazy journalism when it comes it's to it. wearing your heart on your sleeve it's as if mm. it's always a bad thing I don't think oh, it necessarily sure. is it can actually
1: drive your on in my, in my it, case it, and it's, it's, I think it's a good as long as you can get rid of it before the next shot I don't exactly. think it's a bad thing at all People assume
4: because you've been annoyed at a shot that it's lingering with you. It's not with me. I just, I I want to get annoyed, get it out of my system and then crack on again with the next one. And I think Maguire has a similar example like that, isn't he? Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I think fans want to see that as well. Like we've talked before about how snooker players' personalities coming out is one of the reasons people love snooker. You you want to see Mm. what's going through people's heads. Well, we
4: know it's a gentleman's game, isn't it? But at the end of the day, it's a sport, which is, is such a high standard now, it's You know, you've got to kind of treat it a little bit in line with other sports where there's going to be a bit of passion. There's going to be like a lot of seriousness around it. If everyone was
0: the same, it'd be very, very dull. You you feel the emotion in the moment and then you just, you're back on it, back on the show. Well,
4: I think overall, all I've tried to do is obviously look at myself and think, look, what am I doing this for? And generally, I keep coming back to the answer of, look, I've got belief in myself deep down that I know when I play as good as I can play. Because I've proved it to myself in practice, matches, mm. junior careers, whatever you want to look back on in your own personal journey. I've thought to myself, look, I'm good enough to do something. So if it clicks together one day or one week, then I know I can win things. And obviously, eventually something's happened. So that's
0: great. Yeah, we've got some some listener questions for Gary. Well, we've got loads, in fact. So I'm just going to pick some of them. Um, yeah. Well, we'll start you with an easy one. Cal on Instagram says, if you didn't have a cue, would you rather play with a broom or an umbrella? <coughs> Some of them are a bit more complicated than this. Random? Um, Yeah, very random.
1: An umbrella. Is the umbrella
0: Uh, open? Exactly. I was just going to ask. It's a good question. (laughs) I think it's a nightmare if the umbrella's open, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) You can't even see, can you?
2: (laughs) No, you you can't. You've got to go for the broom, surely. Yeah. Yeah, I think
4: the broom, I mean, it's bad enough not playing with an umbrella, but not being able to see the ball in front of you as well. You've got (laughs) no
0: chance, have you? You've got a lot. you'd, You'd have more technical problems on the table then. Jakey says, again from Instagram, which player do you most and least enjoy playing against? Oh, I don't know. I
4: don't know if an answer lasts, but, uh, <laughs> I answer that, but I wouldn't suppose I enjoy or
1: hate playing anybody i mean if you were due to play like ronnie or mark selby would your thought would your mindset be different going into one of these matches or would be the same it's probably
4: naturally going to be that little bit different because as we all say ronnie's just got that bit of aura he's the the name in the game isn't he and he's the one that even though you don't think it yourself you know everybody's eyes are on and everybody everybody's eyes are therefore on you to see what you can do against him you know so Yeah, I suppose that's slightly different in a sense. There's some players who are just more dangerous, you know, that, and there's other players who you know are very good, but they're not necessarily dangerous. They're not necessarily going to hurt you.
0: They're not going to kill you every time you make a mistake. That must be quite stressful to play against. Kind
4: of, aye, and again, some some of that comes down to, like, snooker brain. You know that there's players in certain positions on the table who know how to get round it, and there's others, as I say, who are just taking ages over the wrong shot, and they're just playing the wrong shots, and you're going i need to kind of give you this you know like if i play anywhere decent then you shouldn't win unless you are keep landing on things you shouldn't be landing on you yeah, know that yeah, kind yeah. of feeling and it's, it's like it okay. happens and it annoys you when you lose to them kinds of players mm. but yeah i'd say that's about it really the, the generalization is slow players and players yeah. who don't really know what they're doing
0: yeah it's quite funny to think of you sitting in your chair thinking you're clueless <laughs> this is nothing you can do um
1: Stephen
0: uh, knows. <laughs> I think, yeah, I no. bet
1: he does. Oh, Stephen's yeah. thought that about any number of players. Well, um, I, I used to get upset if someone had a bad pair of shoes or something like you know that, that, is, that would upset me in my, in my chair. But yeah, but I'd choose dirty waistcoat, any of these things, and
0: Stephen very uses, very, fragile. Away. <laughs> very fragile um, Liz from Instagram, this is a tester. Would you? We're talking about next season. Would you rather reach the final uh, of the worlds or Newcastle win the Champions League? Ooh. You've got. Assume that Newcastle get there next season, which is uh, not I mean, at the moment. Oh god! I mean, because because you've said the final of the worlds. Yeah, that's how a big difference
1: isn't it between winning and finding the yeah, yeah.
4: There's a big, big difference. Yeah, if you'd have said win the worlds, I'd have said win the worlds straight away, hands down. Obviously, but final, it's great, it's unbelievable. But in a way, I think I'd be more disappointed if I just got to the final.
0: Once I've you get there, the you want to
4: win it, don't you? Mm. So, yeah,
0: yeah so there you go you'll take Newcastle winning the Champions League instead
4: I think I might at the moment yeah that Fair sounds enough. really yeah. bad doesn't it but I think I might yeah
0: <laughs> uh, someone's asked when is the dino haircut coming back
4: oh the old backhawk I know it's been a while hasn't it uh, people have been asking I wasn't was that a fan quite... I will admit
0: I wasn't a fan
4: <laughs> I bet you weren't <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Stephen's a traditionalist well, with but hair, I'm 55 so
4: what can you do I, yeah, To be honest, Stephen, I wasn't a fan. Mind you, this is this is not going to surprise you, but I wasn't a fan of when you had this little moment in the late 90s of the long sort of curtains, the long hair kind of yeah. coming oh. in a little bit. I
1: had a I was few. A, I had a few dodges.
4: I was I was a fan of the earlier years when you just had the nice little side and with a hairspray. That was right, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Once, <laughs> you start, nice. once you started growing it in sort of 97, 98, I think it was. Well, that was when you started sort of losing a few as well. I don't think well, it worked for you, yeah <laughs>
1: Gary I, I, turned I, I, into a sort of sports like hair psychologist for. now. So. <laughs> My world titles, I go by what hairstyle I had to remember the year. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't expect Gary to
0: talk with this much authority about the history of your haircuts, I have to say. <laughs> I'm allowed.
4: I'm allowed now, yeah, you no. see. I've got absolutely nothing left, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, it's no, only at the
4: back. 95 was a bit of a surprise when you sort of cut it really short. I thought, oh, what's he done? Yeah, that,
1: that, that was mid tournament as well. I don't. I decided. I don't know what happened there. Right. Mid worlds was just, it? Just to get to get a haircut, and all of a sudden he just kept. He said, "Oh, this all look good," and I went, "All right then." And all of a sudden, I had no hair left. I was like, "Whoa!" What well, I don't know if you. It? I don't know if you'll ever remember. I was actually there at that crucible
4: 95. Um, Stan brought us down actually, and I was doing the right. stuff backstage with David Vine on the practice table and stuff. And right, I actually okay. met you in, met you in the media room. Right. And that's when I that's when I came up to you and Stan was like, Stephen, this is Gary. And you were right. reading the paper and I was like, hello. On a scale of one to
1: like, ten, how rude was I? <laughs> you were you were just quiet. You were just really right, quiet, yeah. to be honest. I was like, very quiet. I was very like, quiet. Like, hello,
4: nice to see you, but I'm reading the paper. Can you leave now, please? Kind kind of. of We've
0: had various people write in saying they've met Stephen and the experience is normally a bit like that, basically. <laughs> nice to meet you. Go away now. <laughs> pretty much
1: but yeah I looked at you and I thought short haircut oh don't know about that and, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy on Facebook who were your snooker heroes when growing up and did you try to emulate their style before finding your own game well um yours
4: truly Stephen was my Here we go. Y- you were you were my hero generally growing up because of the mentality the way you did it you know, just the relentless nature of it like you were a winner obviously mm-hmm. and that was what i respected that was what i wanted to be like that was how i kind of wanted to play i wanted to
0: look professional i wanted to play the right way we'll, we'll finish with one more What was your most this is josh on instagram what's your most memorable moment playing snooker
4: oh memorable um yeah obviously you, you try and naturally think of the world championships and i guess one of them one of them is the semi-final obviously I've played the one-table setup at the Crucible. Mm. That's massively memorable. Although it didn't go the way I wanted, it's still a a great memory to have, and one, obviously, I'm striving to get back and do again. So, probably that.
0: Um, So, yeah, having quizzed you on almost every other aspect, Gary, uh, we're now going to invite you to... Well, it's not actually an invitation. (laughs) We're going to force you to play uh, our traditional quiz. So, basically, you play a red and then a colour each time. It's 147 seconds on the clock. The red questions are about yourself, for one point. Um... And then you can choose green, which is Newcastle, questions to do with Newcastle, blue, snooker questions, or black, general knowledge questions. Um, uh, Hendry made eight, which is um, one of the poorer performances. (laughs) Uh, Mark (laughs) Allen, appropriately, given what we've been talking about, how ruthless is, Allen's got the highest score. For a snooker player which is 16 this
4: doesn't sound very good these, these questions must be hard
0: <laughs> yeah well there's not that much time to make a 147 the, yeah the, the Stephen Fry's got the highest ever break and even that was 26 so the, the standard's not that high are you ready?
4: yeah
0: alright let's go in what tournament did you record your first 147? Uh, the German Masters correct there's actually a bonus point here do you remember your opponent? Oh, yes, he's Irish. Oh, what's his name again? I can't remember his name, sorry. Irish. Oh, Ricky Walden on the card here.
4: Oh, well, he's not Irish. He's not Irish, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I
0: couldn't let you go on any longer there. It was, you get... it was, Ricky, as well. Sorry, yeah, go on. You got the red, though, so you uh, you move on. Uh, do you want green, Newcastle, blue, snooker, or black? Potluck? We'll, go, uh, we'll go middle of the road, we'll go blue, see what happens. Okay. Uh, the tour championship is being hosted in which UK city this season? Manchester is correct five goes on to another red um who did you beat in the semi-final of the 2022 scottish open so last 2022 no, that sure. Um that would have
4: been I should know this straight away Why mine's terrible <laughs>
0: tep, tep or no? Is correct yeah and took on the name confidently there um <laughs> again green blue or black Uh we'll go for a black we're running out of time let's see if we can get a break here we go. Um, in what year did Usain Bolt set his 100-metre world record of 9.58 seconds? You've done as here. Uh easy yet. 2008. Oh, 2009. That's oh, in that's in the jaws oh. of the pocket. <laughs> oh. uh, back to red. What is your highest ever ranking on the two-year list? Is that including now? That's a good question. Yeah, I suppose so. Because right now I'm
4: number, or I was number 12 after I won the Welsh. So you give us that, won't you? I will. In fact, 12 is what I've got.
0: So I will. Right, do okay. That. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, probably got time for another colour. Well, you yeah, have got time for another colour. Uh, blue. Blue again, Snooker. Snooker youngster Yulian Boyko is from which country? Ukraine. Very good. Yes. Instant. Uh, back to a red. How many century breaks have you made this season? It's multiple choice 22, 26 or 30? 26? Is correct. This is an impressive break. Probably got time for one more colour. Uh black. Go on. Yeah, he's going for it. On the dartboard, the nineteen is located directly opposite what number? Opposite. Uh is, that w- it?
4: is it one?
0: Yes. He sinks oh, the black. Uh and I think that is time up, but that's yep. That's gonna be a good score. We'll just we'll just do the maths, but um that's gonna put you in the top half of the leaderboard for sure. Drum roll! It's twenty-one. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Done that. <laughs> <one. laughs> so that's pretty high-tech stuff from Stephen there. Twenty-one is the, the highest ever by a snooker player, and also puts you in second place. Twenty was my target, so that's pretty good. Yeah, that
4: is um, a very impressive knock. Yeah, it's the same amount as when Stephen won his first world title.
1: Thank you. As long as all, everything comes back to me, I'm very, very happy. It really is. It's, it's, it's
0: well, thanks very much, Gary, and well done on your performance, uh, both on the quiz and in Wales recently. Uh looking forward to seeing you win some more big ones.
4: Thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, really cheers, appreciate it. Good luck thanks with the rest really of to to you guys. Thanks, you
0: so that is all from us this week on snooker club please make sure you subscribe if you haven't already a lot of you have wherever you get your podcasts and as
1: always you can head to wst's youtube to watch the show back please keep sending us all your emails the address is snookerclub at wst.tv we'll be back in two weeks for another episode yes it'll be interesting to uh, talk about what happened in saudi we'll also possibly have news
0: of another live episode of the pod can't say any more about that but you may be able to imagine what tournament that will be based from we're not going to Saudi by the way as uh, a spoiler uh, next week of course the 147 returns your fortnightly roundup from WST till then take care see you soon
1: see you soon bye bye